Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Force podcast. My name is Captain Richard Byrne and today I'd like to welcome onto the show Lieutenant Colonel Tom Frayne, Officer Commanding the Army Equitation School, 2nd Lieutenant Michaeli Byrne, a riding officer in the school, and Corporal Barry Kyo, Acting Yard Sergeant in the school. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the career opportunities available in the Army Equitation School based here in McKee Barracks, Dublin. You're all very welcome. Good morning, thank you. Thanks for coming in. So before we kind of get into the kind of different aspects of a career in the Army Equitation School, I'd just like to go around the table first and we give me a bit of personal background. And uh, maybe before you join the DF, a little bit of an overview of your career and the Defence Force up to now. So sir, I might start with yourself. Yeah, um, brought up in Cork. Uh, we had horses at home, so I was competing at home and ponies, pony club all the way through show jumping. And then I joined the Defence Forces in 1988, a long time ago. Um, after commissioning then, I was fortunate enough to come here to the Army Equitation School where I was a riding officer for nine years. Um, Colonel Ned Campion was the CO here at the time, Common Ronnie McMahon, and I worked with uh, John Lettingham and Jerry Mullins were here, Jerry Flynn. So a lot of well-established riders here at the time, so I competed here for nine years. And then after that, I went down to base, was based around Kilkenny for the rest, the next 10 years where... I served in the 30th Infantry Battalion, the 3rd Infantry Battalion. I served overseas in Lebanon. I was in Afghanistan, 06. Um, I was in Mali a couple of years ago. But I came back to the Equitation School in, I think, 09 as the Chief Instructor. Uh, under uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jerry O'Gorman was the CO at the time. So I spent the next few years here as the Chief Instructor in the 2IC. And then in 2016, I was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel and became the CO then of the school. Uh, and Michaela, do you want to talk through, through your uh, maybe a bit of background before you joined the Defence Forces? Yeah, so uh, I come from a horsey background. My parents own an equestrian centre in County Wexford, so I grew up competing ponies. Um, my dad show jumped, so I grew up listening to names like Con Power and Captain John Lettingham. Um, my parents ran a clinic at home and Captain Brian Carnan came and done the clinic and he kind of put the idea in my head about the Army Equitation School. Then when I was 16, I'd done my work experience in McKee Barracks under Commandant uh, Jeff Curran and Private Sean Davison, who now actually works at me nine years later. Um, after I'd done my leaving at 17, I went abroad to Shane Brain, where I spent the year doing some international shows like Sunshine Tour Loom in Hickstead. Went on to Austria for seven weeks and came home and went to Bowley Bon, where I spent two seasons producing top quality young horses and then I decided it was time to apply for the Army Equitation School. Excellent, so that, that got you here today. That got me here today. And Barry, yourself? So uh, I was born in Dublin and my father was in the uh, Army Equitation School throughout the years. He joined in the late 70s and retired in the 90s. He was actually a groom for Lieutenant Colonel Tom Frayne in his day. So I've always been around the Army Equitation School. I've grew up around the Defence Forces. So when I finished school in 2006, three months after finishing school, I joined the Defence Forces. And from there, I was based in Cottlebrook Barracks for seven years in the infantry. And then on the reorg, I transferred off to the Army Equitation School because I've always wanted to get working with the horses. So just for yourselves, everyone seems to have a background in horses, um, which is great, I'm assuming, going into the Equitation School. But is there anyone that comes in completely kind of raw or never had any background? 
Yeah, absolutely. We've had plenty of people come into the school who haven't had a horsey background. It's not essential. Mm. Um, it, for sure, it does. Obviously, people who have a horsey background are attracted to, to working in the equitation school. But over the years, we've had plenty both soldiers come into the school, either on the reorg, where we got some guys who came down from, from Cavan on the reorg who had no experience and slotted in and have now and have stayed in the unit and did their grooms course and went on to be very good grooms. Um, Private Davidson is one other example. He came across in the brew a number of years ago, primarily to drive, but very quickly on completion of his groom course, really adapted to it. We heard McKaylee talk about a long time ago, she met him when he was grooming for Common and Curran. He's now grooming for her. So yeah, you, you don't need to be involved in horses. You just need to have the respect and the love of the horses, I suppose, and that develops over time. Yeah, excellent. So it's, a, it's not really, it's a very inclusive. You don't have to have a, a major background in horses, which is, which is great. The groom's course is set up in such a way that you take people who have no experience in horses and we take it from the very, very beginning, how we introduce them to the horses and bring it all the way through that anybody doing the groom's course has to pass a riding test upon completion of the groom's course. So we take people with no experience and bring them all the way through the care and welfare of the horses, how to look after them, but also how to ride them. And that gives them a great appreciation for what the horses have to do when they go into competition. So it's, it's very interesting and, and very rewarding, I think. So you can start at, at that low base. But before we get maybe talk to Barry about the specifics of the groom, sir, would you be able to talk to us maybe about the history of the school itself and, and what's quite unique in, in, in the world standing? Yeah, the school is a very unique establishment. It was founded back in 1926, basically not long after the foundation of the state. And it was given the initial job of promoting the Irish horse, but also promoting the defence forces and, and more so promoting Ireland as the new republic. And very quickly... The Army Equitation School riders representing the Defence Force, representing Ireland, were dispatched across, across the globe to compete at Nations Cup shows all the way from Madison Square Gardens across to Lucerne, Paris, Rome, the Nations Cup circuit that existed. It was a very strong circuit. It's very similar to what we have today. So the Army Equitation School riders were the first ambassadors really to leave the Republic of Ireland back in 1926. They were the first people to wear the tricolour and in, often, in many cases, when they were successful, it was the first time that the national anthem, our own Naveen, was heard across the world. So we were initially set up to be ambassadors to promote the Irish horse, promote the Defence Forces, and primarily to promote Ireland. And we have continued with that mission, and it's the same mission today as it was back in 1926, almost 100 years ago. Is this in a unique setup? Is there many military riding schools in, in the world, or...? Across the world, there are a lot of military, a lot of armies have riding establishments, and they have, and as we've seen recently from the, 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 the Queen's funeral, there's a huge ceremonial aspect to a lot of military forces. We're unique in the sense that our, well, we have a very small ceremonial responsibility, and that's just lo locally here in Ireland. We primarily are a competition yard, so our job is to compete at the highest possible level, so we're very unique in that regard. So you will see... So maybe Italian or Spanish riders competing in uniform. That is slight, very different from what we do, where our riders and horses are military completely. What we see from other countries are people who are sort of semi-sponsored by the, by the forces. We are unique in that sense. We're the only competition yard within the military sphere. And it seems to be very similar that everyone has had a military background. You're not solely a rider or a groom that you've served overseas. And Michaela, you've done the cadetship. And Barry, you've been in units as well. So... You're very rooted in the military as well. Yeah, it's a very important factor. Uh, we all do our basic training. We do the cadet school, the command of staff courses, the three-star courses, all the way through. Barry has done his standard, his potential NCOs course. So, and 
even still, we still have we have three NCOs currently overseas. We're, we are part of the defence forces. It's very important that we maintain those links with the defence forces. So the officers are all fully commissioned. We're an integral part of the organisation and we ride horses in addition. So it's uh, members of the defence forces first and then equitation school after that. And when you speak about competition, you're competing. Has there any major successes over the years or any really standout ones yourself? I suppose when you look at the Aga Khan over the years and we've had a lot of success in the past at that level. Uh, we've also won the Grand Prix in Dublin, coming at Jerry Flynn, uh, coming at Jerry Mullins. John Lettingham has been hugely successful. Jeff Curran was recently uh, very successful in the Puissance in the, at the Dublin Horse Show, which is obviously the biggest competition. It's a five-star show we have every year. Uh, up Nations Cup, we've had two or three Nations Cup performances this year. We were, Jeff was on a winning Nations Cup team last year in Norway where he rode the anchor leg and produce that winning round. So yeah, we have a lot of success, um, both nationally and internationally, uh, down through the years and, and, and recently as well. So we keep up that level as much as we possibly can. And the young riders based at home, they're competing on the national circuit and they're quite successful. And we've had a lot of results, a lot of good results in the Premier League recently. And a lot of results down through, with, particularly with our young horses that we're bringing through on our kind of young horse pathway. Barry, do you want to talk to me then about the groom side of it? Um, if we go specifically yeah, to that. Yeah, so uh, when I left, I was in the Defence Force for seven years, then I moved out to the Equitation School nine years ago. So you come over to the Equitation School, you have to do a groom's course for seven weeks. And again, the boss touched on it there, it's bringing you from the lowest level right up to the standards that they require in the unit. And on the groom's course, you do riding lessons every day. That's give you appreciation of what the riders have to do with the horses on a daily basis. And it's just the general care of the horses, what to be looking out for, and then bring you on to competition level because you're going to be traveling abroad and jumping at top uh, five-star shows across the continent. So it's to bring you up to the standard. And after the groom's course, then you're allotted in with riders then, and then you're understudy to the senior rider in that stable block. Each rider would have their own allocated grooms. So on the completion of the grooms course, you would understudy that groom then for a year just to develop your skills more and get an understanding of your job. So then the seven weeks of the actual course itself, uh, can you talk me through that to kind of rough so out? So it's, it's gearing you up. So at the end of the course, you'd, you'd have a test on a riding test, lunging test, and then throughout the course, you do assessments that's on stable routine, your stable management, the care and duty of the horse, the grooming of the horse, aftercare. So it, there's a lot involved within the seven weeks and you, you're certified, you get a level six. So there's accreditations to take away from it. Excellent. So then at the end of the seven weeks, then you're a qualified groom. Maybe talk to me about a daily routine, maybe before a show or how, how does it work? So your daily routine in the yard on the daily, so each groom is assigned a rider, as I said, so you come in in the morning, you have a responsibility of five or six horses. So if I was in working with Michaeli Bourne, I'd be managing her horse, I'd come in in the morning, I'd muck out the boxes, they'd have a plan made up for horses that are going out to the walk or horses that are getting to the paddocks. They'd have the plan, their day planned out for what times they're riding each horse, all in preparation for the competitions, they'd be jumping the weekend so you're just linking in with them and then you're the eyes and ears in the ground you're making sure the horses are cared for they're groomed and you need any niggles or anything that you spot there throughout your working day you report to the rider 
and they'll assess the situation. You might have to up to, up to five horses, did you say, kind of under, yeah, under your care? Yeah, five, six horses under your care. Mm-hmm. And then working with the same horses week in, week out there, you, you get an understanding of the horse. You'd know what to be looking out for. You'd know when they're in good form, bad form. Yeah, because even hearing about different jockeys, they say that like the horse is so emotionally intelligent. I say you, you develop a great bond with the horses, yeah. the same ones you're dealing with over, over a period of time. Yeah. You'd have some of your favourites in there already. Yeah, <laughs> some not so favourites. Yeah. <laughs> so the, when you talk about the moods, is that good mood, bad mood? Like how, how can you tell her? Like you some horses that could be some horses could be real hot or like real blood type in good form, always eager to go. So you could spot when you go in, in the morning, they're just kind of down on themselves, down morale. You kind of lethargic, kind of the raw form or such. So each one is his own personality, nearly. Yeah. And then you have to deal with that. How, like you have to learn how to deal with each personality differently. Yeah, and then horses might pick up some knocks or lumps or bumps there along the way because they are competition animals. So you just have to keep an eye and keep them as fit and healthy as possible. So that's your kind of day-to-day. And then you said you c- compete at the weekend. How, how do you prepare for that or how does that go? So we jump competitions either weekends or we at national level we could travel down to national shows for a week. So you'd be organising the fleet of horses that are going, you'd have to organise your transport, the booking of stables. Because you could be, for example, we have the November Cavan International Horse Show coming up. So there'd be a lot of organisation of moving parts in getting the horses from A to B and setting up. And the riders then, it's their responsibility to find out what classes they're going to jump, what days they're planning on jumping. So I'm assuming you're doing everything you possibly can so the horse gets to the location in the best shape possible for the show. Yeah, like it's a mass, especially coming in as a private, as a ground there, like you, ha- you do have a lot of responsibility. So once you come off the grounds course, that's your domain, you look after them. It's, it's huge responsibility. And even if you have five or six different personalities and five or six different mm-hmm. horses as well, it's a, quite a lot, I'd say. Yeah. So then when, so national competitions, you're obviously travelling as a by, obviously by road. Yeah, so we in, in the country. Yeah, we travel by road, so we have two lorries on the road. So we have a national lorry and an international lorry. They can carry up to eight horses, and then they have a daytime living on them for when we're at the national shows. So and, and are you driving them as well? Yeah, or I'm are you in the back or? No, I'm driving. Okay. And the, there's also one aspect I'd like to ask you about, uh, particularly on the groom side, is you're actually the accreditation. So you can obviously get all this huge amount of experience, international travel adventure. But uh, you've because you mentioned that you've got trained up to be a truck driver and everything else. So what kind of accreditations do you get as, as a groom? So you get a CIT accredited for on the grooms course, and as you said, you get all your license right up to the trucks to C1, which is the big thing. So internationally then, I'm assuming it's still on the road, but you have to travel by ferry or, or like, there's obviously another level of a complication if you're going international. Yes, yeah, so if you're going international, then you have to plan your route. So, for example, we're heading off to Hoyas in uh, England next week. So we depart on the Irish ferries Wednesday morning. And then when we get out the ferries, we have four hours to get to the show. And then they'll show the kickoff from Wednesday through to Sunday. So you have to organise your ferries, you have to organise your stop-offs. And then we move on. Once we do a week in highs, then we move on to shows in France. So okay. again, then you have to plan your route then. And is that the, is that the same horses going from one to the next? Or? Uh, well, we, we do a change over in England. So we have uh, Bishop's Quarter who jumped the pre-sons in Dublin. So he's, again, he's travelling over to England with us. Okay. He's jumping the pre-sons there. And at the end of that show, we'll have transport come out to a change over the horses. He'll go home and then we'll bring out a different fleet then. Okay. So, so then getting to England to France 
again boats or how yeah how so boats again so we'll travel down to dover and we'll get a ferry from dover into france and we mainly travel at night reason being to you're not meeting traffic during the day it's not warm yeah. you're trying to keep the horse and the same routine with their feeding and that so we traveled for up to 12 hours and we'd have our plant so if we're traveling from a to b we'd have our stop-offs done in between that so we give the horses rest throughout the day feeding yeah and when you say stop off or overnights is that in civilian stables like a yeah civilian so we have a transport company we deal with and they'll they'll plan our route as in book the stables and they'd have to be of a certain standard obviously for the quality Sounds very interesting. So you're traveling down through England, down through France, stopping off at stables. I see. It sounds yeah. like, like it sounds it sounds exciting. It. So then it gets to a point. Then you've hit your show, um, and then that's kind of where the rider comes in. Would that be the? Yeah. So the rider'd fly over. We'd land at the show. We yeah. set up the stables. We'd have the horses bedded down, and we're straight into our routine that we are showing the grooms course. So it's just a different venue, but same routine. Then the rider lands, and then they get their plan in place, and then you just kick on from there exactly. together. So, Michaela, that's where you come in, is that right? That's where I come in. So, do you want to start us back from when you joined the Defence Forces, uh, your training schedule, and then when you get to the equitation school, your kind of life after that? Yes, so I went into the cadet school in October 2019, Mm -hmm. and I commissioned in March 2021. I started in the equitation school the 6th of April, and then I went and done the grooms course. Uh, It's to get an appreciation of what your grooms would be. Before that, you actually completed a full 15-month cadetship. Yeah, uh, ours, we actually done ours during COVID, so it got extended. It was just a week off, 18 months. Okay, so a long time. And were you, were you working with COVID at the time, or are you doing, I think you were doing calls as well? We were doing contact tracing. So you finished cadetship then, and then you're here to, in, into the school? Yeah, so when I completed the grooms course then, um, I got a lot of my, my horses, my stable block, and the grooms. So I went to my first show at the end of July and then I was competing every weekend then until November where our show jumping season kind of stops and breaks till March. So then um, the start of this year then, it was like this year would have been my fall season in the equitation school competing. I got some nice new young horses. So I spent the, a lot of the year producing the young horses I done Dublin Horse Show qualifiers. I followed the Stub Book series. I got a lot of experience in there because I hadn't done any of that in a while because uh, obviously the cadetship and coming off the cadetship as well, like I barely sat on a horse for almost 18 months. Right. So it did take, did take us a while to mm-hmm. get back into the swing of things. It's different than carrying a backpack for in the cadetship for 15 Absolutely. months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so look, it's, everyone knows that kind of jockeys are they're hardy and it's, it's, it's tough work. So would you give me kind of a, a, a daily schedule that you have? It, it's, are you out early with the horses or how, how, what would you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, typically we'd come in before half eight and the first thing I'd do is go around to each horse and, and check up on them. Then I'd go in to my main stable block where I have like the whiteboard done up and I link in with the grooms and we talk through the plan for the day, so timings of the horses and anything extra that needs to be done. So like the water treadmill, the spa, the paddocks, the walker and so on. And they're all in the school, you have all them on site? Is they're it? all on site in Excellent. the school. Um, usually on the first horse for quarter to nine. And I have seven horses to ride a day and usually you ride them in 45 minute blocks. Okay. Um, we usually break at quarter to 11 for coffee and we talk about our plans for the upcoming shows and plans for the horses in general 
and then we break for lunch at half 12 and then we just ride the horses till half four then. A lot of days I'd come in early and bring my first horse out into Phoenix Park just for a change of scenery and there's a lot of hills and stuff out there which is good for their fitness. And then I'm also um, transport IC so every day I leave half an hour somewhere in the day to do vehicle checks and check the books and anything extra that needs to be done. Um, so it's, always a, it's an interesting aspect where we're in McKee Barracks here and people might know but it's right on Phoenix Park. So do you often bring the horses out onto Phoenix Park? So say if someone, one of our listeners is walking in the park, they see the, the army uniform, it's, it's yourselves that's out kind of draining the horses, is it? Yeah, that's us, yeah, in the mornings and sometimes at lunch as well. Okay. So then that's your daily routine. Can you talk to us then now your prep for, prep for shows? Yeah, so say we know there's a show on the Saturday, for example, you'd plan your week coming up to that show. So what day do you need to jump them? Do they need the water treadmill the next day or a light hack out the park or whatever it is, uh, your preparation. And then the day before the show, like your timings be up. So you'd be planning with your grooms, like what time you need to leave at, what equipment you need to bring with you to the show. When you get to the show, then uh, we would land at the show and we'd walk our course. And then we'd give the, the lads the timings that we need the horses for. And then we crack on with the jumping. So the shows then that you've competed in, has that been in nationally and have you gone internationally yet or has it just been national so far? Um, national so far since I came to equitation school. Um, you kind of, when you come in, you're a junior rider, so you start at the bottom and you have to prove yourself and work your way up. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a new horse, MHS Garin, that I'm hoping next year to to compete to a high level on him and if I can do that then I'd hope to get an international trip that's how it works so um, there's a premier series is what it's called it's 150 level and if you prove yourself at them you, you can get an international trip and then hopefully get the ball rolling from there excellent so you're kind of start national and your aim then is to go international and get get keep moving up and get yeah. bigger competitions and I have some young horses there that are showing a lot of potential mm-hmm. and Next year, there'll be another year older, another year of experience under the belt. So I'll be really looking forward to next year and the year after. And so The horses are nearly developing alongside you, your career developing, and they're, they're developing with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like last year, um, I got a new horse came into school. She was only five years of age, and I got her straight away. So she was new to the school, and I was new to the school. So the two of us have sort of spent the year progressing together and Hopefully next year we can come up another level and so on. And it, it sounds like it's a huge t- t- team effort between the grooms and the riders. Yeah, and as, as you can get a feel from both Barry and McKayley there, there's a huge amount involved in getting these horses to shows to compete successfully. And you can get a level of the investment that everybody makes in you know, the relationship that they develop with the horses because you know, McKayley can't just ride the horses on her own. She needs a whole support network. So and as you can get from Barry, all these horses have their own not only physical ability, but they're all their own, you know, their own emotion, how they all, how they react to the different situations and the different things that happen around how they how they cope with the training. And that relationship between the groom and the horse and the rider and the groom and the groom and the rider and all of those things is so intricately linked that it's it's all part of the, the, the puzzle that actually makes it work. Um, so my job at, as a CEO is to try and get the right people in the right place. And we, we have two, we have three pathways really inside in the schools. So we have a rider development pathway <clears throat> and you can hear from McKaylee how they start off and depending on how much experience they bring. And McKaylee had a lot of young horse experience. So as she mentioned with the nice five-year-old, I was able to give her a nice five-year-old because I knew that she had already been successfully 
with those type of horses. Um, so the young riders are, are developing and as they proceed on their career, they get greater opportunities as they develop and as they show their ability. Similarly with the horses, as you say, we buy a lot of young horses and we, we have to develop those. So they're not going to be at their peak until they're sort of 9, 10, 11 and 12. So it's a, it's a long, slow process. And then obviously the grooms are there as well and they're such, a, they're such an integral part of the whole process. So you need to have the really experienced grooms with those very sensitive horses. And both myself and Barry have seen Ringwood Glen would have been a huge uh, asset to the school there. He was a really successful horse written by Commandant Jeff Corn and previously by Michael Kelly, Jump Nations Cups, but a really difficult horse to manage and really, really sensitive. And Barry would have worked with him for a number of years. And like, if Barry wasn't there, that horse would literally start to fret and get stressed out. And like you could literally see when he was away at shows, if, if the grooms that worked with him all the time were not there, that horse would not be able to compete. So, you know, it, it, as you say, it's a, it's a huge team effort. The transport, getting the horses from the barracks all the way down to where these shows are is a huge effort. But not only getting there, but to make sure that when they get there, they're in peak condition to compete is a huge challenge. And, you know, there's a huge amount of trust and there's a huge amount of effort goes in and a lot of training and experience gathered over the years that we can let the guys off and you know I'm, re I'm in a very lucky position that when I look out the gate of the school I see Barry and I see all the other really experienced grooms that we have Mark McKenna, uh, Sean Davison, you know a whole plethora of people that we've had that have all these skills and we can trust send them off anywhere in the world knowing thankfully that they'll get there safely get their top in top condition right? well that's the challenge so yeah. when you get there you can pull out as Barry says they have to set up at the show we can be there for three or four days and these horses have to go and compete to the highest possible level so there's a, there's a lot goes on but as I say without all all the players in the, on the team we don't get anywhere so just to kind of elaborate on that example so maybe you have a I don't know an, an, an a nervous horse or a cranky horse whatever the way you say it how then do you go about developing the relationship to getting used to them is it just time or it's just time when you're around them every day and they trust yeah. you because you're working with them and like you have horses with different temperaments like when you're traveling you might have horses that are nervous when they're on their own you can't lead them on their own you might have to let them be out so they travel with petitions and sniff board. sometimes one horse might need to see another to settle and relax okay. yeah, yeah. so it's all about understanding what the horse what triggers them what keeps them happy. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose I mean, they have their own relationships with themselves as yeah. well. So yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting one. Especially when you're travelling abroad and after two or three days they're just so used to being in a pack together with each other. So when you take one off for a hand walk they'll be all winning as if you're gonna Way. So they they bond on, yeah. on the trip itself. It's, it's, it's very very interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been absolutely excellent chatting to you. Been great to get an insight into the career in the Army Equitation School. So say if I was a civilian or I was now in a battalion or a unit, what bits of advice would you give me? I might go around the table and see words of advice you'd have for prospective grooms or army riders. So Barry, do you want to kick off? So if you're within the Defence Forces, apply for the grooms course. You can come over and do it for the seven weeks and you can get a good insight and a good feel for the unit to see if it's for you. And then you can be taken on for a certain amount of months probation to see if it's really fit for you. Mm -hmm. And then within our unit, we task NCOs and grounds on overseas missions each year so they're still active serving across so just because you're serving in the equity school overseas still available to you yeah it's still available so and there's obviously other other bits available you said you've you got trained up to drive a truck as well so how, how far do you go up on, on that level so trucks were trained up to the c1 ridge 
you can get any amount of course within the equitation school. So it, it sounds like, particularly on the groom side, there's huge, huge opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and Michaela, yourself on, on the army rider side, what bit of advice would you give uh, any prospective rider? I think if you think you have the skill to ride at the highest level and to be part of such a big team, I definitely would recommend it. Um, it's always been a dream of mine, childhood dream, and I'm delighted to be here. And as well, once you do the cadetship, it's an absolute world of opportunities once you've completed the cadetship. Excellent. And sir, do you want to wrap it up finally? Yeah, it's very important in the equitation school that we, you know, we reward the people that we have. So from the groom's side, as they progress on up through their career, if they go on and do their NCOs course, that's accredited to Carlow Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. The groom's course is part of that accreditation process. So you're credited for your time on the groom's course and you're credited for your your life experience and your learning as you go through within the equitation school. And as Barry has just alluded, we obviously have we have the aid, the administration line within the within the organisation. We have the log side within the organisation. So we have people who have to go off and do their logistics courses. We have to do the admin courses, the order room sergeants course. As I say, we have three NCOs currently serving overseas. So it's very important for me within the unit that we give people the opportunities to progress themselves professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. And that's very, very important part of the school. On the writer's side, again, is to try and facilitate them to reach the levels that, that, that we need and they want to compete at. So between the internal instruction that we get here with the common, with common and screen and current as the instructors, we bring in external instructors, we bring in, um, you know, different clinics, we send people out where necessary, but everything is basically worked towards, you know, having a really good team. And to have that, you need to look after the people that you have. So Barry's talking about the driver's courses, the riders talk about the opportunities that they get different horses to ride, different experiences. As I say, we have the log side, we have the admin side. So there's a lot going on within the unit. Um, and we try very hard, as I say, to try and reward everybody and give them the opportunity to, pro to progress professionally. You know, on a side note, we have three of our grooms have gone on now to do the... Um, apprentice scheme so again very successfully for a small unit to have three people currently on the apprentice scheme is you know it's a, a very successful process so it, it, the people that we have as i say they develop very very quickly mm -hmm. within the unit um and i think it's as a result it's quite rewarding yeah and a huge amount of opportunities so thank you all so much for coming in that was absolutely excellent it was great to have you in thank, thank you. you very much for further information on how to join the Army Equitation School, click on the Apply Now button on military.ie. For general information on the Irish Defence Forces, check out our social media channels and our website military.ie. Serving members are also encouraged to check out the members area on military.ie. The Irish Defence Force podcast is available on Spotify, Acast and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Corporal Keith Harrison and Private Anya Doyle of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. The Irish Defence Force podcast will be back soon with another episode. Until then, thanks for listening and stay safe.